Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, uh, host of the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast, and I'm very privileged to have Jay Alderton here in the studio. Rob, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We've got a lot to cover. We, we have. You know, <laughs> Kieran had actually said for me to write down 10 things, and usually I write down two, and that's an hour gone, so... Uh, ho- hopefully, I think it's four-hour limit on Facebook. Is it? Yeah, so we'll, we'll try and hit that. We'll yeah. try and hit that yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, Jay, look, I know a lot of people know you. You've got a huge brand. You've got loads of followers all over social media, which is really inspiring, by the way. Um, I want to ask you a question about your career progression, but maybe also when you answer that, you could just let people know a bit about you. Yep. Um, so, you said when we got in this room that your wife has been with five or six guys. Yeah, and then it, quite and, worrying, yeah, 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 yeah. You were worried about, it. and then you, and then you said they're me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've had a few careers, very much, so, and yeah. I think on, entrepreneurship um, is about, I think, transitioning and pivoting out of an employed role into being your own business owner. But every five or ten years, the market probably changes. You've got to adapt. So, how have you progressed and adapted your career? So, if I go back, I, I don't want to bore people with my entire career, but I started in the army when I was young at 17. I had two options, prison or join the army, and it, and it was because I was a little shit, basically. Yeah. Um, really, really hyperactive kid, just channeling all my energy into the wrong things. And then joined the army, had this person shouting at me for seven years, really helped me with discipline. Was that your wife? <laughs> yeah. that Sorry. Was at, that yeah. was at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I always said I'd leave the army if I stopped enjoying it. I kind of stopped enjoying it and looked at it as a stepping stone on something else. So then moved into IT because I couldn't actually find a job after the army that would uh, employ me, especially after uh, around that Christmas period. I had a great opportunity after a year to do lots of things. I worked in the Middle East um, in the psychological operations, which is a very fascinating job. And I also worked in Kenya. Um, I worked for the UN, and we were basically working on the African mission in Somalia, pushing all the Al-Shabaab terrorists out of Mogadishu, Somalia. So I've been to some very hairy places, and I think the biggest takeaway from those places was, I think, gratitude, biggest thing. You know, all these countries, people don't have the opportunities that I had. Mm. You know, and the funniest thing, especially Somalia, you know, people smile everywhere. And then I come back to London and everyone's pissed off because they've only, <laughs> only got 5% battery left on their mobile phones. So yeah. it was that kind of experience. And the best thing that happened to me, I got made redundant from that job. I just had a mortgage on a house, probably should have come, come to you. <laughs> and, um, and I just didn't know what to do. First thing that I ever did in the world, I think it was 2012, was write things down. I wrote down and I go, you've got, a, you know, you've got about 6,000 followers on Facebook. You're into this fitness stuff. You've been into fitness modeling. You should become a personal trainer. And it was that kind of thing where I was just like, yeah, but do you want to do something that you, you're passionate about and it's a hobby for a career because you end up presenting it? Mm. And that's why I didn't do it. That was the stupidest thing, stupidest thing that I've ever um, thought about. 
And as soon as I said to my wife, well, I'm going to be a personal trainer, she was like, yeah, go for it. Put all the money on my credit card because I'd just been made redundant. I think it was about 16 grand on the credit card. Um, bought a little studio, borrowed my dad's bikes. I couldn't afford a car, rode up to work, and within three years became one of the top personal trainers in the UK. Wow. Partnered with um, my sponsor's Grenade. We opened a gym facility, had three amazing years there. Uh, we closed it this year and I've kind of gone on my own and just started my own kind of personal brand where I say my focus is body, brain and business. Right. So, you know, I, I'm immensely passionate about lots of different things, but I would say they're, they're my three things that really prick my ears up and I could talk all day about. Yeah. And now, what are you doing now? So very much so, um, I kind of separate my business between B to C. So I run some of the top fat loss challenges in the UK. Um, which are very fun. We, we very much focus on education, but the real difference is we use fun and humor to get people to sign up. Yeah. And it's kind of giving people what they want and then spending eight, eight weeks kind of giving people what they need. Mm. And what people need is the tools, yeah. not just a piece of paper saying, follow it. It's, mm. okay, why have I written that thing on that piece of paper and how can I do it for myself? Yeah. So that's my biggest thing now. I, um, I work with a lot of people online. Then we've got about 2,000 clients online. And very much so I've kind of transitioned into a lot of personal trainers asking, well, how did Jamie do it? Mm. So my transition now over the next couple of years will be more B2B, teaching personal trainers and small businesses how to grab attention online, yeah. how to kind of scale and grow their online digital products. And I think the main, main thing is how to have fun whilst doing it as mm. well. Because I think that's one of the hardest things with anything online. Um, unlike a physical property, you can close its door. And online, you open all hours, yeah. which can kind of make you go a bit cranky after mm. a while, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so that, that's basically it. Yeah. It's funny you said earlier, or you nearly said, uh, you thought about not going into personal training because it's your passion. You might end up resenting it. And I'm glad you said, well, not glad, but you said that was one of the worst decisions ever because I always look at it as this, you can make a business out of anything. And I believe that we're on this planet to make a bit of a difference and to enjoy ourselves along the way. So surely the ideal thing is to find something you love to do as a passion and then turn it into your profession and get to do your profession and your hobby simultaneously. Yeah, and I think as well, the difference between something that you're passionate about is it doesn't feel like you're learning. Yeah. and Because you want to learn. Yeah. Yeah, at school, we were forced to learn a load of shit we didn't want to learn. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I failed all my GCSEs, <laughs> by the way. Um, I, did, I did go to college. Um, Two years. Um, do you know Weatherspoons? You've got Weatherspoons, yeah, haven't you? everywhere, so yeah. Weatherspoons had this thing called Sorry Ronnie, right? And what it was, was <laughs> it was burger chips and a pint. Um, and the reason they call it Sorry Ronnie is it was cheaper than a Mackey D's. So my, lu- <laughs> my, my lunchtime was go, go and get Sorry Ronnie and then three beer chasers. To come back, I, was work- I, I had an IT certification, which I only just got the first year. Spent the rest of the day playing Bomberman. Yeah. So... You know, for me, actual sitting down at a table, learning something that I don't really want to know. Yeah. Painstaking, I can't do. But something that I love, such as anything to do with business, self-development, psychology, which I, I can't get enough yeah. of it. Just absorb, absorb, absorb. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been a huge transition over the years from somebody who I think the, the only book I'd ever read was The Hungry Caterpillar by the age of 25. <laughs> yeah. To now, and you read that at twenty five, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, yeah. to now, you know, probably reading three or four books a month. It's funny, actually, just loving yeah. learning. And I think the main thing as well for me is 
you know, having a social media following, reading a book and then sharing what I've learned from others, mm. you know, doing a seminar, doing a webinar, just talking on my Insta stories because I get a better understanding of it because I'm able to interpret it the way that I want to interpret it or the way that I like to say it is drawing it in crayons yeah. because if it's too complex, I like to, like anyone else likes to simplify things down so people understand it. Yeah. And people have always said that with me on social media, you know, one thing that I'm not is, you know, academically, you know, I, I say I failed. You are academically it. challenged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's to put it lightly. <laughs> so I need things kind of spelled out quite easily. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it was Richard Feynman. Um, I think he's a, a Nobel uh, Prize winner or whatever it was. And he said, if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I think the ability to be able to break a complex subject down into something that is you know, that six-year-old can understand shows a real level of intellect yeah. because not only can you tell, well, not only people know that you have a greater understanding of it, but people can understand you. Yeah. And that's something that I really enjoy doing, mm. you know, these days on social media. Yeah. So you've had like five, six careers, and I think that would scare a lot of people. So clearly you've proven you can pivot from career to career to career. A lot of people are stuck in a career 10, 20, 30 years, and they don't want to be there. So what advice can you give people to be able to evolve your career and reduce the risk of, you know, not being able to earn your living and pay your mortgage? I think it comes down to two things. You, you're either a, a toe dipper or you're a boat burner. And what I mean by that is... That, I know what you mean by that. You know, I know which one. <laughs> yeah. Me, you know, like, <laughs> the, the thing is, is I wouldn't be where I am today had I not been made redundant. Yeah. So my boat was burnt. I couldn't dip my toe in anything else. And actually that worked for me because I had to follow my passion. I had to do... I had to find another job because I only had 800 quid in the bank and yeah. I had to pay a mortgage. Yeah. Um, so that was my boat's burn. And ever since then, it's like, right, if you're going to do something, charity events, uh, competing... The first thing you do is tell every single person you can about that because mm. you're going to look like a twat if you don't yeah. do it. And that's my boat burn. It's like you cannot turn back. You have to yes. do it. Um, but that even makes or breaks people. Mm. And I think one of the worst things that people can say these days, especially business and that, I'll oh, just quit your job, quit your nine to five and go and, mm. go and launch an online business. I'm like, no, that's not a good idea. Not mm. if you've got kids, not if you've got people's yeah. responsibility. The sensible thing to do is dip your toe in a little bit, you know, use your weekends to start building something up. And if you know that it's got a bit of go and you've got the experience to do that, go and do it. Yeah. Because the problem with it is you might be passionate about it, but you might be shit at it. Mm. Yeah. And that's the reality. Yeah. Like, I want to do personal training because I'm passionate about it. I'm like, yeah, but, oh, you know. But you're shit. <laughs> but that's the reality. That, that, like, you went, that, if anyone ever does this to you, <laughs> that means you're shit. <laughs> And but this is a really good point because a lot of, I think I love your analogy of the, the boat burner or the toe dipper. I think there's a third one, which is if you want to start a new business, why don't you set a three year plan evenings and weekends? And in three years, your target is to make five grand a month or 10 grand a month and equal your salary. And then you can quit. Yeah. So you just make a plan. But and at the same time, unfortunately, I think um, a lot of people, you know, they try that, they fail miserably and then... The only way that that's going to work is if they burn their boat. Yeah, it, I think it's personality dependent, is it? Because I actually got fired from the only job I had that what, my dad didn't employ me for. Uh, and that was like one of the, a blessing in disguise for sure. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's the tough one because obviously... I think it's about knowing yourself, isn't it? It is. And it's yeah. knowing who's asking. I mean, like the trouble with fitness and nutrition and anything 
is the answer to the question is it depends. Yeah. For everything. And no one wants to hear that. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone wants black or white. And but the answer to everything is it depends. And everything's contextual. You know, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it depends on your circumstances, depends, depends, depends. And that's yeah. why it's so hard to answer a question because you then have to understand not the question, but, you know. The context. The, yeah. And where that person currently is. And why they're asking it. Yeah. And also, because people say to me, oh, well, you know, if you're a gung ho type, you should burn your bridges. If you're more of a slow and steady type, you should dip the toe in the water. But often it's the opposite. If you're a gung ho type and you smash your way through everything and you fail four times, maybe you should slow down. And if you're a toe dipper and you've been dipping your toe for 20 years and nothing's happened, maybe you should burn your bridges. Yeah, and I think um, something that I've found, especially you know, with um, a lot of entrepreneurs I've spoken to, most of them don't need to speed up, they need to slow down. Yeah. And it, they're in, like a lot of the people I speak to, they need to be more productive, mm. they need to get more shit done, you know, they need to have those systems in place. But that's not most people I speak speaking to, especially with um, personal trainers and coaches. Personal trainers and coaches that come to me, they're not saying to me, oh, I'm struggling to get clients. They're like, I've got too many fucking clients. Yeah. They're like, I'm working 50, 60 hours yeah. a week. So I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm like, well, that's a good position to be in because you're popular and you're busy. And they kind of exchange a lot of money for time. And mm. now they need to invest more of that money to obviously get some time back. And that's yeah. with systems, that's with employing people and delegating yeah. things. Yeah. And I think that's outsourcing been, scaling. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that's been the hardest thing for me because one thing I say to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners is you're not just a personal trainer, you're a personal trainer, you're a presenter, you're a marketer, you're a web developer, you're everything. Mm. And that's why you've got where you are today. And, and it's because you love all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's very hard for me to give up something that I love, to give it to somebody else who I know isn't going to do as good as me, but might do if I allow them to get better. And, and that's been the hardest thing for me with business. It's just, I like to dip my toes in absolutely everything yeah. and, and go, no, no, do it this way, do it this way. But sometimes it makes me forget that the reason that I can do it that way is because I did it their way and made loads of fuck ups. Yeah. So a lot of time I'm talking to myself to say, look, just ease off the pedal watch what they're doing yes. and let them learn from their mistakes. Yes. And, you know, that's been kind of the biggest lessons with, with my own business, but also teaching a lot of other people. Um, there's that analogy of giving a fish and teaching a mm. fish. Um, and I used to give, give people all the information, but they wouldn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Much like I said, we've given many, many years ago when I was coaching people online, I used to coach a lot of athletes and all they need is a piece of paper, which they follow to the letter which is great, but your general public, they don't want, you know, as much as they want a piece of paper, that's not going to help them. Mm. They might be able to, you know, that's a map to their success, but then they don't know how they got there. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing that I saw many years ago with coaching people online was the fact that they got great in great shape, but as soon as they left me, it all went to pot. Yeah. And I'm like, well, am I actually coaching people? I'm not, you mm. know, because a real coach educates yeah. and shows people not only you know, what to do, but how to do it. And mm. that's been the biggest change for me in business, um, especially with personal training. When I was a personal trainer, my focus was saying, I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know so you don't need me anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of businesses um, kind of go wrong when it comes to coaching because that, uh, to me, that's, that's the perfect mentor. Yeah. It's to teach somebody so they no longer need you. Because mm. I think that helps with business as well because if they, if you transform and change their lives and they're staying in that, you know, transform state, especially with their physique, they're going to have for the next few years, people asking them how they managed it. And then yeah. my name pops up and that one person, which I transformed gets six. Mm. And that's essentially how I built my coaching business from my little studio. It was just word of mouth, which yeah. 
still is the most powerful thing mm. that I know, you know, in, in business. So I just realized we've got... <laughs> so that's question one done. <laughs> and do you know what? I, there were things you said I could have gone on for ages about as well. But yeah, Tick, that's question I was just like, one. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying this to everyone. I said, well, I've got eight questions down here. That's, that's Rob's first one. <laughs> and, and I've got one. And it's, it's, it, these, are, these are very deep. These are very deep. So I'll, I'll crack on my first one. And it's a bit of a scenario, Rob. It's 2020. Okay. And you don't have two pennies to rub together. Okay. You've lost all of your connections and contacts. And right. all you have left is your knowledge and experience. What does the, 30, the next 30 days look like for Rob Moore? Okay. So I get out and about to all the um, networking events that I can find, um, ideally property and business ones. And I go on a hunt for a joint venture stroke business partner. Because actually, that's what I did in 2006. Exactly the same scenario, except I was minus 50 grand, not zero. And I um, went to a property networking event and I inadvertently met my current business partner today, who we've been together now for, what, 13 years. And we bought hundreds of properties together and we built a 20 million pound business. And all the properties we've bought were with his money or his mum's money or his stepdad's money. And then with his connections money and private finance. And we partnered up together. And I put in a lot of sweat and um, hunger and desire and drive. Not that he didn't, but that was all I had. And he put in money and knowledge and experience. So I just go do that all over again. But of course, I might not get lucky and meet him at my first networking event. I might meet him at my fifth or my tenth, but I don't stop until I do. So that's the first thing I do, because property and um, property got me retired in my 20s financially, like I didn't have to work again. And then it got me. And then the recession came, the crash came and I had to reevaluate my plan then I uh, became a millionaire by age 31, just before age 31. So I've retired quite a few times in my life, and that was all thanks to property. Um, simultaneously, I would start, I would go and, on all social media. I'd set up an account on every single one. I'd figure out which ones are the early adopter ones, which we'll probably talk about later. So it might be a TikTok or an Instagram or a Facebook. And I'll just start putting content out there, loads. And you know what content providers are like? We start with one a week, and we kind of get our our way into it. And then only two or three years down the line, are we doing one a day? Um, so I would definitely start building up my social media following uh, immediately and quickly. And then the third thing I'd do is I'd figure out, okay, what is my personal brand and, and what product or service can I create around that? So obviously if you're into fitness, you, you become a personal trainer, but you're either a personal trainer or you're David Lloyd. Now I guess David Lloyd was into fitness and David Lloyd's obviously a massive trainer. I'm actually interviewing him for my podcast. Um, so I would go, okay, what do I know that I can monetize in online? So whether it's online courses, webinars, seminars, et cetera, a bit like I do with property, that might be property or that might be martial arts. Cause I was quite keen into it back then. Um, or whatever it is that I feel like I can teach people and monetize. So if you go, if you imagine a triangle, I find a business partner and start buying properties with them in joint ventures. I understand what my personal brand is and start educating people online and creating online assets that I can exchange for money, um, whether it's a Facebook supporter program or on Udemy or my own hosting site or live events. Um, and then the third one, which I've mentioned, but can't remember. And I think the thing is, the things that you mentioned there, Rob, is that there's a lot of tools that you're supposed to That was pretty quick, wasn't that, it? That was, really <laughs> that was really quick. But there's two you mentioned there. Firstly, social media. Yeah, yeah that was the third one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the biggest problem that people have with social media is you say, I'll, I'll just go on all the platforms. And I think people are very scared to go live. People are scared of video. People are scared to put content out there. 
which is 2020, you know. Like, <laughs> Get with the program. Like, I, I'm saying like, I, I'm, on, I'm currently absorbing TikTok, right? I am learning from 12, 13, 14 mm. year old kids. And, and people just don't understand how talented. Is that why you've got your hat turned the wrong That's way around? This is a definite midlife crisis. <laughs> this is definitely midlife crisis. But I think the biggest thing is that you've got to remember when you were a kid. I sounded like 50 saying that, didn't I? I'm sorry, mate. But, uh, yeah, that yeah. probably looked really yeah. bad on You're me. You're six years older than yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing is that I remember when I was a, when I was a kid at you know, I didn't have an iPhone. Mm. I had snakes. Yeah, phone, yeah, know, yeah. Nokia. Infrared yes. was the thing. I had this. Yeah. I had the Nokia seventy one ten Matrix phone. And when people actually rang phones, you, you look really cool. Yeah, I remember printing off ringtones and sitting there at school and waiting for like the rude sandstorm to come blowing <laughs> my phone. But nowadays, kids have got video editing apps. They've got video. They are sitting there for hours and hours and hours. Eight, ten hours a day editing, mm. filming, transitions, everything else like that. What's cool at school is a following, of course, which you didn't have at school, but yeah. also skills yeah. because you need to, you know, work on those skills to build up your social media. And these yeah. kids, like 15, 14, 15, I'm sitting there saving their videos to learn how they've done the transitions yeah. and their their non-verbal, you know, their kind of non-verbal communication. You know, I've I've put 150 videos on TikTok. I've only actually spoken my voice on one of them. That's it, because it's all about the creativity. Yeah. Um, kind of cut long story short, if, if you do not get with the times for social media, you're screwed. Bye. You are screwed. Yeah. You will have, like, my daughter is sick. The dodo. The dinosaur. <laughs> my, my daughter is sick. She has an Instagram account, and she does vlogs. Like, she will do literally a 10-minute vlog, and I hate it because I am one that has to edit it. dad, yeah. I'm not that <laughs> to edit it. I, I love it because, to me... Her Instagram account is like a savings account. You know, mm. she, she gets all the benefits of social media by producing, but doesn't consume. Yeah. I'm doing this, you know, I'm building up a following with her. And on her 16th to 18th right. birthday. Ariana, need to do this with Ariana. 16th to 18th birthday, it's not, it's like building a savings account. Here's 100,000 followers, here's 200,000 followers. Whatever you want to do with your life. Yeah. I mean, she's very, you know, she loves her dancing. She does, you know, ballet, jazz, modern, yeah. acro, she does it all. But now she has a platform to be able to, to launch and create mm. anything she likes. And then she's had a good 10, 12 years of be beating on that craft and learning the skills. Yeah. So she's going to be miles ahead of any, you know, any child whatsoever. Yeah. And it always makes me laugh because, once again, people say, oh, you, know, you shouldn't put your kids on social media. You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, really? Like, it's it, the world. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, and it's like saying you shouldn't walk down the high street with your kids. Exactly. It's the world. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, aren't you worried because people find out where you live? I'm like, look, I can find out where any person yeah, lives. Yeah. You know, Don't need social if, media for if that. If you've got Wi-Fi on your phone, if you've got 4G, people know where you are. Yeah. If, if you've Says got the ex-psych guy. <laughs> I want to come to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, I just, I'd love to talk a bit more about your TikTok, actually, because I'd had it here as, as you're so, yeah. on your social media, because um, I had it as a question. So I'm with you 100%. And um, I... I I feel like I'm inspired by you because you're more of an early adopter than me. And I'm going to put it down to age. That's what I'm going to put it down to. But I am slowly but surely getting with the program. But we can all be an early adopter of one or two of them if we try them all. Like you could argue I was relatively quicker on the scene for podcasting. But, um, but something else I think is big on social media is you're right about. I think it's great if a kid is on social media creating rather than on Angry Birds or some kind of game. So, so that's one thing. 
I think the next thing that, that's really big in the world is everyone is now a filmmaker. Uh, and if you think about 20 years ago, Sky and BBC were making films and no one else. And now YouTubers are making amazing films and people on TikTok, they're mini films. You remember like Vine, they're yeah. mini films. They're not just people messing around. So in addition to kids not knowing what world is without social media and internet and not remembering dial up and all this sort of stuff. And that's how they engage. We are, the world is, you are a documentarian now. Yep, exactly. And so if you get good at that, you win in the world. Exactly. And, and there's many different forms of it. You know, the technology that's there, I, I'd probably say the camera that's in your pocket is better than what Hollywood had 40 years mm. ago. And they were making blockbusters. Yeah. And, and it's that kind of reality of, you know, you can do absolutely everything or anything these days because you've got everything in your pocket. Yeah. But at the same time, as that's a blessing, that's also a curse. Of course, because but that's the same with everything. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. too much of a good thing is bad for you. And, yeah. and the thing that I'm seeing now is that um, it's that word action, and it's the thing that comes before it, distraction. Mm. Um, and so many people are distracted. Yeah. And it's so easy to do when you've got these little Pavlovian conditioning pings yes. in your pocket and yeah. everything else like that. Um, and now I think the real game is to, I always say, be a creator, not a consumer. Mm. And it's, it's getting a good relationship with social media, knowing that you know, you've got all of these tools at your disposal, you need to be consistent with it, but at the same time, you need to switch it off. Yeah. And you need to have those rules in place. I have phone swap Thursdays, so I swap my phone. You know, Lucky, I've got a, uh, an Apple Watch. A phone on your, on your wrist. On my hand, so I don't when you say phone swap, you mean, what does that mean? Well, I used to swap my... Um, I used to swap my phone with an old phone, like a, a Nokia. Oh phone. I've yeah, got a Nokia, yeah. I've one that got, doesn't go on social. I've got yeah. a Nokia thirty three ten. Yeah, I've also one that you're like. It's a, it's a, it's, it cost me thirty quid on Amazon. It's a Ferrari phone. Ooh. And when you open it, it makes little rev sounds. <laughs> and when people ring you, the headlights flash. <laughs> and it's the shittest phone I've ever had. But it's also that realization when you go into your pocket to check on social media, you've got this thing in your pocket. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. So it kind of reconnects you with the world. Yeah. And secondly, I. Eight o'clock, social media, down. Yeah. Nothing good ever happens after 8 p.m. on social media. Except, except my webinars and <laughs> live streams. But and um, so, by the way, I'm writing some lessons here for myself. I, I think as well, yeah. you know, it's, it's this kind of thing, you know, I have um, a, a very strong morning routine. And part of that morning routine yeah. is to um, go live sometimes and just yeah. brain dump. Yeah. And people say, well, you know, you're talking about set, you know, filling up your vessel before you um, help others. I'm like, no, no, no. We've got to understand is most of the time I'm just letting out. I'm not taking questions. I'm going, oh, here's a thought which I've got, which I've pondered on today. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And that really, really helps because it, it kills two birds with one stone. I get, I get things out of my head. Yeah, you get your own therapy. People get the knowledge bombs. Yeah. I get a piece of social media content. I can then save that and repurpose it. And yeah. then I've got so much done before 7 a.m. Yeah. And I think so many people need to get into the habit of doing that. I think the biggest problem that people have is I'm unsure of what to do for yeah. content. And I'm just like, are you mad? Yeah. Like, there is so much out there that you could talk about. And some of the time it's got nothing to do with your industry. A lot of personal trainers I speak to, I go, right, when was the last time you shared something non-fitness related on your page? And they look back and, and they find out it's the most engaging piece of content mm. that they've had. Yeah. Because it, it's something that I hear all the time. People don't buy products, people buy people. Yeah. And when people get to know more about you, and you know, if, if people believe in what you say, they believe in what you say. Yeah. And I think that's so, so important. Because it's my, my kids, my dog, and my Lamborghini, they kill 
my social media. I put the most tried, tested, research content out there. My dog, my kids, my Lamborghini just completely trumpet. Is it your Lamborghini or how much you, how much money you lose having your Lamborghini? Uh, it's normally breaking down <laughs> in, in front of everyone. <laughs> Yeah, so I completely agree with you. Like something I want to just quickly talk about. It's not on any of this, but for me, content is also therapy. Like we all have to deal with a lot of shit in our life. Yep. Uh, and a lot of people don't go for professional help. They don't talk to people. They don't have mentors. They don't have coaches. They don't have peer groups, which I think is fucking vital, by the way. But if you don't have any of that, why don't you use your social media to share your thoughts, express what you've learned, what you're struggling with? Uh, maybe some of the things you figured out. You serve your audience. Because remember, your social media are, are following you. So yeah. they want to listen to you, which the kids get. But the old people are a bit weird. Like, oh, why does anyone want to hear me? Well, if they're following you, they want to hear you. But for, I, I think definitely it saved me for some real meltdown social media, my podcast especially. Yeah. Just, Wah! And it kind, of, it, it kind of brings me to this question. We want to go on to this one, Rob, and it is about mental health. Um, and it's actually a, kind of a scary statistic. Every week, 84 men take their own lives in the UK. That like literally shook me when I heard it. And that's why, um, you know, a percentage of all my digital products this year have gone to the campaign against living miserably. But I think the biggest problem that I see, especially with mental health out there is a lot of women talk to each other. Yeah. They, they get around each other. They chat to each other. Yeah. A lot of men have this bravado of, Oh, I'm, I'll sort it out myself or they won't talk. Mm. And, you know, I, I love the fact that mental health is being raised a lot more. Me too. A lot of people, I say, look, I, I'm not okay. I'm, you know, I'm pretty fucked up, and I, I you know, I've shared a lot of my stories uh, in the past of it. So my kind of question to you is, how do you, when you're going through a bit of a funk, when you've got a few issues, how do you go about it? Because mm. obviously you've just said about social media, and same again for me. Yeah. Talking out those things has really, really helped me, but yeah. it's also helped other people to say, you know, I've had personal messages say thanks for that. Um, it, you know. And it was amazing. I don't know if you've seen the podcast with um, Tyson Fury. Yes. Um, with the, I love yeah. Tyson Fury, man. And I love it, Tyson Fury. And, and I, I just love what he said. He said, like, the, if the heavyweight champion of the world can struggle with mental health problems, so can you. Yeah. Um, so kind of the question to you is, how do you deal with your own mental health and what kind of strategies do you have in place to yeah. keep you firing on all cylinders? Okay. So I've got a few. I think fundamentally, though, before strategies is what's your perception of what mental health is like if you injured your shoulder doing shoulder press you wouldn't be embarrassed to go see the doctor or the physio to get that yeah. sorted so i like to see my mental health as just like any kind of ailment it's just something that's up that's not right i'd go and see a physio for a shoulder injury so i'll go and see a therapist or i'll get a mentor or i'll talk to a friend if I've got some thoughts and, and not having such a big stigma. So yeah. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, what do we define as strong and weak? So I think, I mean, my dad's a northerner and in the north, they're very proud. And it, you, you don't talk about that shit in the yeah. north. And, you know, the southerners are fairies and weak and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of people see admitting your vulnerabilities and weaknesses mentally as a weakness. So I'm just going to say swap that around and see yeah. it as a strength. So I think it's an absolute strength to ask for help, an absolute strength to go and talk to people um, and to seek help. And I believe it's a weakness not to. And I think if you just see it like that, and it's nice that a lot of these apparently alpha people are coming out and leading the way. So I think if you reframe those two elements, 
then you're, you're going down the right process. Okay, so now some strategies. So I think the first thing is who you, who you hang around with is vital. Yeah. Because if you hang around with people who you feel comfortable talking to, who are supportive, who are, are, are pretty well trained either in mentorship or in therapy or, um, you know, or in personal development and mindset, um, I think that you'll by osmosis get a lot of information from them. I think what you put in your head. So um, I, I know some people think you've got to listen to the news to know what's going on in the world, but people will tell you what's going on in the world. So for me, I don't watch the news and I don't put a load of shit in my head. I don't watch trash TV. I watch documentaries and biographies. I listen to podcasts and audio books because if Brexit, my business partner will talk to me about stuff that's going on that affects my children, my wife will talk to me about. So they're my influences for media. But I want to put stuff in my mind. It's not just about being positive, by the way, and only putting positive stuff. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is if I put... If I learn about mindset, psychology, strength, overcoming issues, stoicism, you know, like learning about balance, like John Demartini taught me a lot about having understanding balance, then I'm giving myself tools to deal with my own mindset. And then I think finally it's having an outlet. So I bet you being in the army was an outlet for you. I bet you hitting the gym was an outlet yeah, for you. So. Now your social media and your content is an outlet. So for me, it was martial arts. Um, it's social media, it's my podcast, etc. An outlet. I, I, in the past, have been a real bottler. And what bottling stuff creates physical ailments, but also I, I'd, I'd become this very passive-aggressive person where you might say some things, they might affect me, I'd bottle them in, I'd bottle them in, I didn't have the yeah. courage for the conflict, and then I'd just have this massive meltdown. Um, and, yeah, and I yeah. think that's the same for me. I mean, one of, one of the things I, I'm... Firstly, big fan of stoicism. I've got three stoics on my arm. Right. And who are they? Um, no, you're... <laughs> you, you, uh, you, no, oh, he, he didn't like that, did he? got a bit close to him. <laughs> no, no, no. It's ah. just like, I'm trying to remember which ones they are now. So, uh, Socrates, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius. Oh, wow. Hasn't finished yet. Yeah. finished on Friday. Yeah. Um, but I, I very much look at mental models, and one of them is um, intellectualization. So I used to get people come to business problems quite emotional. Mm. I wouldn't respond emotionally. I'd respond like very stoically. Yeah. And it was because I was processing the information to find the right things to say. Yeah. As opposed to just sometimes just Ooh. being you and allowing yourself, your emotions to take over. And over the years, I've managed to kind of chill the fuck out a bit on that and mm. understand, you know, the, the basis, you know, the basis of stoicism. Stoicism has changed my life. You know, it certainly got me back on track in 2017. The main the main point of stoicism was you can't control what happens to yeah. you, but you can control how you deal with it. Yes. And it's, um, it's having that great relationship with it. But just because you know that doesn't mean that you have a stoic face and you don't yeah. respond to everything. It just means that you pick and choose things. And there yeah. are certain situations where people need a human being, not some stoic yeah. you know, person who's thinking the right thing to do here. So that was mm. kind of a big change for me is being okay to express emotion. Um, yeah, it's funny because some people are the other way around. Yeah. Uh, where they're very emotional and actually learning to calm their triggers down and think more intellectually than emotionally. So it's funny. I guess, again, the answer is it depends. So, you know, what's our natural default? I'm quite an emotional person. So I had to learn emotional management. I wouldn't say it's at mastery yet, but... To add to your point about um, stoicism is it's not what happens to us, it's how we deal with it. I also think there's a model of what's perception and what's reality. 
And in reality is there is no reality. There is only perception. So anything that happens to you it is not real. It is how you perceive it. Because yeah. anything that bad that happens to you, like I bet you if you pick some of the worst things that happened to you a lot in your life, three or five years later, you actually saw the gifts in them and you go, actually, they're some of the best things that happened in my life. Exactly. And being made redundant in 2012, yeah. you know, I would not be here today had it not been made redundant and forced to follow my passion. Mm. And that's something you said there because you had... Um, one of my good friends, Phil Graham, mm, last week, yeah. and he says very much, thoughts are not your reality, reality are not your thoughts. Yes. And that's such a, a great quote because, you know, we all experience the same feelings, anger, jealousy, embarrassment, shame. Resentment. Just, yeah. yeah but, it guilt. but it doesn't mean that you need to respond based on how you feel. Yeah. Sometimes it's really de- delving deep. Social media is a great thing to... Um, build up these skills on because yeah. as you probably know because it triggers you all the time so you get okay. the practice yeah. yeah and this is why i don't have social media on after eight but something that i say is those who shout hate are usually asking for help and yes hurt people hurt people yeah exactly and and something that i found a lot over the years is that i'm very good at dealing with trolls online my old time used to be people used to go in the comments because i used to troll a troll and people used to really enjoy me getting back at them. Yeah. Now I haven't got time. Um, and also I, I realise how much of a waste of time it is. So yeah. whenever I get someone, um, you know, saying something bad, I'll go on their profile. Hopefully they've got one. Most of the time they haven't, yeah. which says a lot anyway. But yeah. I'll find something that they are passionate about, be it a dog, be it whatever. Yeah. And then I'll just say a positive comment. Hey, cool dog, is that Labrador? Yeah. Um, I'll take it on board, all the best. It's very hard to come back to something somebody negatively when they're saying something positive about you one of the biggest things that i found with that was that the person's response is usually embarrassment or usually something very positive yes um and i've had you know i've I've got a a viral video called my six month transformation i think it's about three thousand comments all negative all hurtful and i love it it's Mm. hilarious but at the same time you know when i've ever i've responded positively to someone that person's been following me for years i yeah. love your work um thank you for this 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 and you just think well if i just responded negatively to somebody having a bad day i've just lost that person completely yes and i've had so many situations with that i remember i was on a i had my daughter she was about a year old i was on prep for a show very hangry and i was in i think sports direct don't ask me why i was in sports direct but, I was in sports direct. <laughs> but the the oh, trying to get to no. <laughs> but I was trying to get the uh, trying to get the, the pram through, and I was just about to explode on this guy because everything was in the way. And as I went past, he was like, "Hey, you're Jamie Walton. Can I get a selfie?" And I'm just mm. like, "Imagine if I yeah. if that guy was so like he was a bit nervous and that, and then I'd done that to him." Yeah. And it's those perspectives that make you realise. Look, you know, I have this kind of thought process of you've seen the Truman Show with Jim Carrey. Mm. You know, he's the only person that doesn't know that it's a, a TV show. And sometimes I ask myself, right, imagine you're in a TV show and imagine you're a Truman. Are you going to be acting the way that, you know, if you look back, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm happy with the way yeah. I looked. And that comes down to integrity, but also that mental model of going, you know, am, am I acting in line with my goals right yeah. now or, or the person that I want to be? And that actually has helped me now get through some times where I, if I look at something online and someone's saying something really positive, I go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And if someone's hating on me, I go, oh, that's interesting. Mm. It's kind of the same response. You know, if someone yep. blowing smoke up my ass, don't care. Yeah. 
trying to tear me down, don't care. Mm. Doesn't matter. I yeah. can just switch it off and go and play with my kids. Mm. Easy. Um, that takes a long time to do. Yeah, it does, because I've been practicing this for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a brilliant discussion because I think actually this is like a microcosm of life. So why do most people respond badly to trolls or haters? Probably because they take it personally. And is a troll or a hater hating on you 95% of the time personal to you? No, it's about them. It's about when they were scrolling and you interrupted their feed or the bad day they'd had or the bad news they'd had. So I think step one, because if you can deal with critics, trolls and haters, you can deal with anyone in life, I think. And that's a, a big part of life mastery. So if you don't take any comments personally because you know that most of them aren't about you, they're about them, you're 90% of the way to winning. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is really important to know the difference between a critic, a troll and a hater because everyone just calls a critic a troll. And when you call a critic a troll, what you actually call is someone who's quite thorough about giving you feedback that you could learn from and then you've just turned them against you because you've called them a troll. Whereas actually a troll is a fake profile. So yeah, exactly. knowing the difference is really important. Your critics are the best source of your improvement. They're a best source of your own personal development. They're a best source of your future revenue opportunities. And if you listen to critics and you engage critics, often your critics are people reaching out such that if you help them become your clients and your fans. Yeah. And then the next thing, people don't get this. They're fucking brilliant for your algorithms. Oh, yeah. We'll because <laughs> when, 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 you, when your fan goes, love your work, no one comments. When a critic or a troll goes, wow, 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 and then everyone else jumps in, and then your comments are going mad, and then the algorithm spreads all your reach, your ad score is improved when you run Facebook ads, if you have comments. If you delete comments, your ad score is reduced. Now, the next thing, the final thing, uh, one of my mentors, John Martini, taught me this. He says when he plans his future, he thinks about the equal support and the challenge he'll get. So the equal fan base he'll build and the equal resistance he'll get. And when you put yourself out there, I can guarantee you, you will get more fans and more haters. So if you plan for having more critics and more haters, then you are preparing yourself properly for the real world. I found something interesting because people, are, people like to sit on the fence. They don't like to offend people. They like to go, well, I'm, I'm kind of where I'm from. No, no, pick. You know, as much as we say like, things are contextual and that doesn't mean that you need to be you know, contextual. Black and white. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that someone explained it to me is if, if you've got people that either love you or hate you, you've got 50% of people that love you and 50% that hate you, that's 50% of people who follow you that are potentially your customers. Yeah. And there was a statistic that Howard Stern, that they had, uh, people that love Howard Stern listen to his show an hour, people that hate him listen to it for an hour and a half, which is very, which is very <laughs> yeah. fascinating. But the whole fence here thing is they say, look, if you sit on the fence with things, 30% of people think you're all right, 30% of people won't really care or yeah. dislike you or like you and 30% of people will hate you because mm. it doesn't matter what you do yeah. so now you've just reduced your customers mm. by 20% because you're sitting on a fence yeah. and it's just like right well start thinking about this actually you know I'm saying go out and trigger people but if you're more yourself and, and, and really stand clear on the things that you like and dislike like yeah. mine eyelashes on cars why on earth anyone puts eyelashes on cars I do not know <laughs> um, why, you, why you'd buy an Android phone I have no idea either so and pe I get some uh, you know I get oh how dare you but what I'm doing is creating some humour mm. um, I get the amount of people that send me pictures of eyelashes on cars is ridiculous <laughs> but 
for me, it's top of mind is tip of tongue. Yeah. The next time you see eyelashes on cars, you'll yeah. think of me. Yeah. And also, you know, I like taking the piss out of people with poor peasant phones. <laughs> poor peasant they, phones. They should really just buy an iPhone. As opposed to skint people who can't afford an iPhone <laughs> and they buy an iPhone for 1200 quid. <laughs> I'm, I'm financed the next three yeah, years. But. Yeah. So it's, it's having fun with that social media. It's coming yeah. back to what I was saying. It's like pick a side. Apple or Android, and then have yeah, fun with that's it. That's you, you know. Yeah. And I'm very much an Apple nut, but at the same time, most of my biggest digital products and my best-selling ones are iPhone only because the apps on it. Yeah. So it actually pays well for my business to actually scare off Android users. Yeah. And that's me just filtering out my audience for what yeah. it is that I'm doing. So there is always an agenda behind things, um, but I think I'm quite happy to tell people that. And the same with what we're talking about at TikTok. I'm telling everyone what I'm doing, showing yeah. everyone what I'm doing. I'm crystal clear. Um, and yet, you either take the information on board or you don't. Yeah. And then the only thing that's going to happen is it's not going to work out and I'll go on to another platform or I told you so. Yeah. So. And then if you take the same philosophy on another platform, in the end, one platform will go big for you. Exactly. And, and it's not just the TikTok I'm focused on. It's TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's lots of other platforms too. So if one doesn't work... And you just shift yeah. it to the next one. Okay, this is interesting. Is there anything in your life that you wish you had done but haven't done yet and don't think you'll ever do it now? Um, I would have loved to have been a heavy metal lead singer. Oh, man, I love heavy metal. And I've got these delusions of properly rocking out. <laughs> so I think that first or the guitarist second or the drummer third. You, I'm, I'm never going to do it. Have you ever learned a musical instrument? Um, I played the drums to like shit pub band level. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh. <laughs> and I um, learned some Radiohead songs on the guitar, but I never, it, it wasn't my thing. But no one's ever asked me that. But I just, I, if I could come back again, I'd, I'd either be a golfer, professional golfer um, or heavy metal lead singer. Someone like Trent Reznor, who's also in business and tech. I just think what he's done is great. Okay. Yeah. So that's my closet. Out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, you said to me, you're really good out there. And I hope you, don't, you weren't blowing your trumpet when you said it. You were just being honest. Uh, getting engagement and getting like visibility. What did that mean? So it's understanding mental triggers and what gets people, you know, as we talk about sensationalism and everything else in the media, but it's understanding social triggers. It's understanding yeah. why people do what they do and how to get things spread through social media. Uh, there's a great book called Contagious by Jonah Berger. Yes, I've read that. Um, Steps. So it's like social currency in that. Biggest thing um, is sparking emotion online. And there's many different emotions. If you go through the emojis, the like, the share, the comment... Your biggest one is sharing. And if someone's going to share a piece of content, it's because that resonates with them. And what you understand is that the reason that people will share a piece of content is because they want to let the rest of their people that follow them know that that's what they're about. Yeah. So all you need to do is really reverse engineer and understand, okay, is somebody going to share something that's really personal to them? No. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't post it. It just means that you need to add to your strategy. Very much so, my last organic um, post on Facebook was to do with Love Island. I know Love Island's like Marmite. You know, you either are an idiot or you don't watch it. And I always play on that, very yeah. much like the Android user kind of thing. And every year I post about five things that you can do instead of watch Love Island. It was rub vinegar into cuts, stamp, like literally cow blades of grass. Um, and that video actually got more viewers 
than the first episode of Love Island. So we've got wow. 3.6 million views, 78,000 shares. So it's then going back to that thing. If you like Love Island, you'll share it because it's funny. Yeah. If Guys, we need to watch this back. Sorry, I'm writing notes. But, um, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I live doing stuff like this. Love doing stuff like this, by the way, because you just learn so much. Sorry, carry on. And yeah. if you hate it, then you're, you're going to share it because it falls in line with your values. Yeah. But it's the same. Like, if I'm taking the piss out of Android people and you're an iPhone user, the possibility of you sharing that is very high because you have let people know that you're an Apple user or you let yeah. people know that you hate Apple. Yeah. Which, in turn, allows... When you look at the shares that I get and the views that I get... It's because we, I, I sit on a side and I pick a side and, and, and that's it. And there's many different things of understanding that social currency around it. Triggers, emotional triggers. You, people can get angry with you, people can, you, making people laugh. Yeah. I'm, I'm an ex-squaddy, right? My humour levels when I left the army was very stoic. You know, I would not make people laugh online. Now, all of my viral content comes from making people laugh. Yeah. So it's that humour. People share stuff. People love memes, lab bible. You yeah. Know, huge digital agency because yeah. they're making people laugh they're making people share stuff because what happens is someone will share a meme or something like that because they want a friend or, or a family to experience the feeling that they've just felt yeah and if you've laughed you know if, if you've cried laughing at something what's the first thing that you do yeah you, have you seen that dog meme where the alsatian is going and I've then the guy I've seen, but, I've seen every meme yeah and then the guy's <laughs> talking over it yeah yeah that's the funniest thing I've I, I, have, seen. I have got some <laughs> I, I have got some to share but memes you yeah. know the memes are like they people spend a lot of time with them yeah um, because they are just a form of intellect they really really are people don't wouldn't look at memes and stuff like that but just the ability to have that humour with mixing images and words and video is, yeah. a, is a talent of course yeah uh, and it's something that I'm very kind of um Kind of like, and this is what TikTok is all about. It's all about taking a theme, disrupting it, and making it better. Yeah. And that's something that I've been, you know, I see a theme on TikTok and I'm like, well, that's cool, but then that's going to get boring now. And if we do a little bit of a pattern disrupt there, then that's going to get lots of shares. Yeah. And it's just like, and I've done that on lots of things and picked up millions of views on TikTok just from understanding that, that how am I going to get that person to press that button? Yeah. And it's sparking emotion. So that's very much what I've become good at yeah. from social media from a psychological point of view why things are shared why people like things and why people comment yeah. so if you can master that in any industry then you're going to grow a very successful business and, and you're going to grow your social media following too cool so should we finish by telling everyone where we can follow each other yes um, so yeah you go first Jay. Um, mine's pretty easy uh, Instagram at Jay Alderton TikTok if you are you know 10 years old <laughs> at <laughs> At Jay Alderton and Facebook uh, at Jay Alderton Official. Okay. And then for me, my podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. This will be going out on there. And then if you just search at Rob Moore Progressive, you'll find me on all of the handles. I've got books on Amazon and Audible. So you'll find me there. You've got a library on Amazon. Yeah, I've done all right on that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, we're done. So remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.